Oh my god, I'm heartily sorry, for I have offended the productions in association with MediaGauntlet.com presents Views from the Longbox for September 5th, 2007, episode 10. What have you done? Nothing. Nothing except read comic books. You also lose our jobs on account of comic books. You keep me awake every night with your bad dreams on account of comic books. couple of weeks, I'm telling you right now. You, you know, there's the old joke that when you go on vacation that you actually need to take a vacation afterwards to get over the vacation, and while I'm not a huge subscriber to that theory, I do see there is some merit to it. I mean, you know, back at the end of August, my wife and I went on a trip to Nagshead, North Carolina, we were there for a week with my family, and then I came home and I worked for four days, and then Dragon Con, which was pretty much exhausting as well. You know, and and there wasn't really much time between those two to do anything but some laundry, to work, maybe eat, and get a little sleep here and there. <sighs> Man, I mean, okay, just to let you know. I was going to have two episodes uh, these past couple of weeks. I really was. I sat down and with my friend Shag and then my friend Steve over the course of an evening. I recorded three episodes worth of material and then discovered that, oh my god, the program I was using with Skype because of some technical snafu, which I really think is their fault and not mine, but I should have checked, so I'm going to blame myself like any good lapsed Catholic is going to do. Uh, because of that, the three episodes worth of material that I thought I was stockpiling was gone. I mean, make me angry enough to go into Mike Smash mode, gone. My wife was very sweet about the entire thing. I think she was trying not to laugh, uh, and if she was, she hit it well. So, I apologize for taking two weeks off, but at the same time, I don't, because, well, I, I kind of needed the break anyways. Uh, anyway, hello everybody. Welcome back to Views from the Long Box. I am your host, Michael Bailey, once again here to take up about 30 minutes of your time to discuss the wide, wide world of comic books. This week's episode was actually inspired by my week at that beach. Uh, as I said, my wife and I traveled to Nagshead, North Carolina, which is on the Outer Banks, to have something of a family reunion uh, present were me, my wife, my dad, my stepmother, my three older sisters, my brother-in-law, who is married to my eldest sister, three nieces, one nephew, and three dogs. 
Well, actually, two of them were Dotsons, and one was a really big dog. So it was kind of like having two dogs, but I'm not really one to talk about small dogs, considering there is a poodle in my lap as we speak. Um, anyway, it was a fun time. I mean, my wife and I strolled on the beach. I got to have some bonding time with the nieces and nephew, and my dad, sisters, and I played Risk, which was something we did back when I was a teenager. My family, you know, other families maybe sat around and had dinner together. My family played Risk. Tells you something right there. At Nag said, I also visited what could quite possibly be the worst comic book store I have ever had the misfortune of stepping into. I am one of the peculiar few who have made it a habit of going to the comic shop locator service online as part of the preparation that goes along with taking a holiday. It started really back in 2002 when my wife and I went to Asheville, North Carolina to see the Biltmore House. Very nice, lovely time. Do it at Christmas. It's great. Uh, I think we found two shops on that trip, and if memory serves, they were decent enough. Uh, on our honeymoon, uh, about a year later, three more shops saw our shadows, in addition to the one that I found by way of the little newspaper in our hotel room that advertises the place to shop and eat at in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Even going as far back as 1990, when my cousin Jeff drove me to, to a comic shop while my grandparents and I were visiting El Paso, Texas, did I visit out-of-state comic shops. And then there was the really neat classic comics outside of my Aunt Jenny's uh, town that she lived in when I was a teenager as well. I really liked that shop. It was a, had a really nice outside, good selection of back issues. Liked it. Liked it a lot. Our recent trip to Nags Head was no different in this respect. I found a place that was actually about three miles from the house we had rented, and frankly, I think I wasted my time. It was a small shop that gave about as much space to sports card as it did comics, which these days is never a good sign. I mean, back in 1990 when, when Jeff and I went to that comic shop, it was actually one of those sports cards that places that started selling comics during the boom, but then it, it kind of worked because it was at a boom, so there was a lot of material to be had, and the owners seemed to give about as much consideration to the comics they were bringing in as the cards, and this place just didn't do that. I mean... <sighs> I mean, they just don't mesh well these days. Factor in the fact that the new comics were horribly disorganized, the back issues were a mess, and the feeling that I was going to trip and break my neck at any moment in the cramped quarters, and you have a pretty miserable shopping experience. I thought at least I could find an action figure or a trade or something to purchase as a memento of Vacation 2007, but the selection of both of those were pretty awful. I just didn't like this store. I love hole-in-the-wall comic shops, because sometimes you can find some pretty awesome stuff in there. You know, I hope this isn't coming off as snobby or stuck up, because if it is, well, it's just kind of sad. I mean, we are talking about comic shops here, not fine dining or a five-star hotel, which you can kind of get snobby and elitist about. It's just, I feel like comic shops are a place of importance to people such as myself. I am one of the lucky ones who started collecting at a time when comics were still sold at grocery stores and convenience stores and newsstands and other odd places. 
You could get comics just about anywhere, and the trick was finding the places that sold the new issues of whatever comic you were looking for. Comic shops, though, they were something special. A good shop had all of the new issues you were buying, plus supplies like bags and boards and posters and t-shirts, and most importantly, back issues. For years, I would travel both worlds until about 1991 or so when I, for the most part, started buying all of my new comics at the shop instead of hitting Walden Books or the 7-Eleven. Before that time, from about 1988 until the mid-90s, the comic store was it just wasn't a weekly trip. Heck, some of the time it wasn't even a monthly thing. The comic shops I have called home fall into the following order. The first not to be confused with the episode of The Incredible Hulk, was Beachhead Comics in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I was in seventh grade at the time, and an older kid from the neighborhood who went to my bus stop, and his name was, I'm, I'm not making this up, his name was Wang Chung, told me about this place and gave me the address. One Saturday morning, after a very tense car ride, because I kind of screwed up the address and my dad could be impatient about such things we finally got there and it's as corny as it sounds it was like stepping into another world or finding a second home or discovering where you really belong or whatever pseudo-religious full of crap string of words that glamorizes something that in the grand scheme of things isn't that big of a deal but when you're 12 years old really into comic books and looking to go to that next level it can seem like it Beachhead was, and probably still is, what I consider a classic comic shop. It was housed in an older part of the city, and while it was a commercial district, the buildings still looked like homes. It was on a corner, and the owner took full advantage of this, and had the outside wall facing the street painted with an assortment of characters, including Batman, She-Hulk in her Fantastic Four gear, and Cerebus, so you can kind of tell the time period that this shop opened up. The front windows were covered in faded posters, and the door had a painted version of Alfred Pennyworth welcoming you into the shop. Inside, the fixtures were predominantly wooden. There was a big white dog laying in the middle of the floor. The place smelled of mildewed paper. The wall to the left was covered in new comics, and straight ahead was the back issues. On that trip, I purchased the first four issues of John Byrne's Man of Steel miniseries, mistakenly thinking that I'd bought the whole thing. Turns out it was six issues. Wouldn't have made that mistake today, would I have? Still, as a first store, it was just right. I went to that shop for a little over a year, whenever my dad or older sisters felt like driving me. After that first trip, Dad would pretty much wait in the car, but he drove me, and that was the important thing. It was while shopping at Beachhead that I discovered that comic shops got their books earlier than Walden books and grocery stores and such, which saved me on more than one occasion, especially during 1993's Reign of the Superman storyline, when after a bit of a snafu, I thought I had every issue, and then discovered I was missing a chapter. And that chapter happened to be when Coast City died. So, one chapter, the story is chugging along, and I read the next one, and Coast City is vaporized. Kind of a big event to miss. Sometime in 1989, my dad told me about a shop he came across in nearby Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, called Dreamscape. Apparently, this was a chain store. I think there were two, but that counts as a chain in comic store terms. 
And for a little while I went there in addition to the odd trip to Beachhead. Dreamscape was a newer, or at least newer at the time, style shop with a more polished feel to it. It was a very nice shop, though, with a good selection of back issues with better prices than Beachhead because, well, Beachhead could really jack up those back, those back issue prices. Dreamscape will always be special to me, though, because it was there that I met my first comic professional. I don't remember how I found out about this, but somehow word got to me that Roger Stern, then writer of Action Comics, was going to make a store appearance. I can't tell you how excited I was by the prospect of meeting one of the people who were responsible for producing the comics I read, especially a Superman writer. And I'd love to sit here and relate the heartfelt... Hallmark Movie Channel moment that Roger Sturt and I shared during this event, but frankly, it was me handing him a copy of Superman number 24, him signing it, me thanking him, him thanking me, and that was pretty much it. However, the moment was marked for posterity as there was a reporter for a local newspaper there and he got me for a few quotes. I still have a copy of that clipping too. I guess I should post that, but that would involve digging it out, wouldn't it? My quotes were from the mind of a geeky 14-year-old with very few social skills, but hey, I was in the newspaper, and at the time, that was pretty damn cool. In 1990, a new theater was built about 10 minutes from my house, and a new strip mall was built around the Tillman 8. In addition to a kick-ass record store where I later purchased the original cast recording of It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman, and the soundtrack to Transformers the Movie, there was The Comic Vault. This, this was a packed little comic shop, but it had a good number of back issues, and if you notice me harping on this, at the time I was all about some back issues. I, you know, I, my collection was not as large as it was today, so looking through back issues really got me going as the, ooh, I want that, ooh, I want that. But, you know, maybe you were different than me, I don't know. I went there for about two or three years since it was so damn close to the house. And I was shopping there during the whole Death of Superman event, and this was one of those moments where being a Superman fan was not really as cool as it became and then went. That's beside the point. Anyways, being a collector of Superman at the time came in handy because, well, I had the books on my hold list for years, and when everyone who had previously given me an endless amount of crap for reading those books were scurrying around like mad to try to get a copy, all I had to do was walk in say, I'd like my books, please, and they handed it to me. I stopped shopping there in the summer of 1993. You see, I wasn't a regular buyer at the time. Sometimes months would go by before I would pick my stuff up because I didn't have regular income. So when I received an infusion of cash at the end of that summer, I went to pick up my books, and well, they shut down my box, as was their right to do so. I was a little pissed at the time, but now I perfectly understand why they did what they did. It was then that I went to the first shop that I would ever start hanging out at. Comic Quest. Comic Quest was in a strip mall up the street from where I went to high school in Emmaus, Pennsylvania. The guys who owned it had previously been into comics by setting up shows in the near nearby town of Foglesville, and they finally, in the summer of 1993, decided to open up their own shop. The gentleman who ran the front was a dude named Stan, and who a year or so after shopping there I actually kind of became half-assed friends with. I mean, at first I was in my typical, 
not getting there every week or every two weeks or a month because, you know, no regular income. But after I graduated high school and got a job and started having some supposedly disposable income despite the fact that I really shouldn't have been spending as much as I did on comics at the time, that's something that would haunt me for the rest of my life, by the way, um, I started talking to Stan more and more, and it became kind of my Friday thing where I would get off work, cash my check, go over and kind of hang out at the shop for a little while, talking shop. Uh, Comic Quest had the misfortune of opening up a store in the summer of 1993, right around the time of the color glut, when the comic book market tanked. But they did have the fortune of being there when Magic the Gathering hit. So the shop was able to stay afloat because Stan's brother, who I believe was Tom, their last name was Jones, so it's kind of funny to think of Tom Jones sitting in the back of a comic shop, you know, wholesaling magic cards, you know. It's not unusual to be selling the Minotaur. Okay, not funny. Eh, maybe it's a little funny. I don't know. So I kept going to that shop and even played Mage the Assumption there until I moved to Georgia in 1995. I really didn't want to leave. I was, but I was completely out of money and Comic Quest was one of the f places that I was going to miss the most. I mean, yeah, Beachhead was my first, and, you know, I went to a couple shops in between there. But Comic Quest, as a fan, was the first place I ever dug in roots. I mean, I shopped at other shops in the area. Allentown was blessed with comic shops. There was Beachhead. Uh, there were one Dreamscape eventually in Bethlehem out by the Lehigh Valley International Airport, uh, there was Caps Comics. And if you went to the Lehigh Valley Mall and drove a little up the street to the Whitehall Mall, there was even a little shop in there. And in Kutztown, where I went to school, there was a little shop on the corner, which was, I didn't really like going there, except during the wintertime, because they had no air conditioning, and you would walk in, and there'd be these spinner racks with comics bent over because of the heat and humidity. Comic Quest, though, was different. It was a place where I could go, and the people knew who I was, and I could sit there and talk, and just chill and hang out and look through the back issues I've looked through for about a thousand, you know, a thousand times and scour the new issues and sit there and chit chat with Stan, who'd give me shit for being a fanboy, but I think honestly liked who liked me and liked me being there. I heard eventually after the shop closed down, he went on to be a truck driver. I don't know if that worked out for him, but I hope that, you know, I hope everything does because Stan was really good to me at a time where I really needed somebody to be good to me. So I moved to Georgia in 1995, and much to my father's chagrin, the first thing I did was crack open the phone book to look where the comic shops were. The first place I found was Titan Games and Comics. It was located in what I guess could be considered unincorporated college park. The neighborhood was kind of bad then, it's really deteriorated now, but outside of spending a couple of months in the summer of 96 at the shop my friend Tom owned, uh, 
Titans has pretty much been my main comic shop uh, since moving to Georgia. I've been going there now almost a solid 11 years because after Tom sold his shop in 96, I had a kind of disagreement with the new owner and went back to Titans and have been there ever since. I mean, there's a couple other shops in the area. There's Dave's, which I like to go to every once in a while. He's got a good 50-cent box. and he, You know, when he was working with another guy, there were a lot of action figures to look at. It was kind of like going to a museum for action figures for a while, and that was kind of neat. There was a place over in nearby Jonesboro, Georgia, that was Age of Excalibur, uh, run by a gentleman named Robert Youngblood, who I went to, mainly because he was a nice guy, but also mainly in this weird kind of confluence of events. Robert Youngblood worked for years with my wife's father, my now father-in-law, at a place called Atlanta Wireworks. So it was kind of weird going to the shop with my girlfriend and then wife and having somebody there who knew her when she was a really little girl and who, you know, knew all the stories and knew how crazy it could be, you know, at at the house sometimes. But and there was a place uh, for a little while in Peachtree City, which is, you know, like a hop skip and the jump. Uh, from where I live right now called Planetary Comics run by a guy named Billy. Uh, Besides that, when I first moved down here, there was also a place called Fisher's, which was a real old-time 1980s comic shop. God, I loved going into that place because it just... You felt like you were literally going back in time. I mean, you honestly felt like suddenly it was 1987 again and you were looking for the new issue of Justice League written by Keith Giffen and Jam De Matisse, and you'd find somebody in the corner bitching about John Byrne taking over Superman and people still talking about the crisis and secret, fo- secret wars and how awesome the X-Men is becoming. God, it, all, it had a lot of independent books, which is really neat, neat to see. Independent books, you don't find those at a lot of the newer the newer comic shops that popped up during the late 80s and the early 90s did not have the history that a place like Fisher's had. So you normally didn't find the really obscure things at the newer strip mall comic shops. It's nothing against the strip mall comic shops. I'm kind of glad they're there. But at the same time, for me, man, Fisher's closed down uh, about a year after I moved there and I took full advantage of the sales they were having one day I was I'd been in there a bunch of times over a you know couple of weeks and the owner looked at me and said you've been in here a lot haven't you and I said yeah I mean I felt kind of bad I was felt like I was taking advantage of of his uh, misfortune but he looks at me and goes well next time you come in here uh, you can fill a long box for 50 bucks so the next time I went to Fisher's, I showed up with an empty long box. And this surprised him. He's like, well, you could have used one of mine. And the thought had literally never occurred to me to do so. I just show up there with a long box. I'm here to fill it up. Here's your $50. Yay. <sighs> Bought a lot of good stuff that day. But Titans, managed by the most dangerous man in funny books, Chuck Sheffy, is my home. And... You know, between living in Georgia and living in Pennsylvania, I've been a horrendously spoiled comic book fan at having so many shops to choose from. But there's something about calling one your home that 
you know, even though it's about 30 minutes away and it's in a crappy part of town, I still like going there. Still makes me happy. I'm especially spoiled down here in Georgia because just about all of the shops in this area bag and some would even board their new books, which was something I was quite amazed to see when I moved down here. It was just like, oh... You bag your comics here. Where will I come from? We are much more primitive people. We only have the comics on the shelf, and you have to buy the bags. <sighs> Weird. Shop and Nags had didn't bag their comics, but then again, they had Ion with Shadow Pact. Uh, so, eh, what do they know? So I dig on comic shops, and... Like anyone who has an affinity for establishments that sell the products that they like, such as maybe a bar, or a restaurant, whatever, there are certain things I look for in a comic shop. I like wooden fixtures. There's something about metal racking that isn't so much evil, really. As Well, you know, since the first shop that I went to had wooden fixtures... Uh, they're what I associate with a fantastic comic book store. I like a good selection of new issues. I like to be able to, if I want to try something, it be there. Some shops you go to these days don't really have a huge selection. I remember particularly in like 1992-93, if you went to a shop that had just opened up, you know, they, they would only sell you know, X-Men books and Superman books or anything that was hot at the time. So I like a wide selection. I like to see posters for sale. There's something really neat every once in a while about going up and looking through the posters that they have. Even if I'm not really in a position to put posters up, at some point I may be. Nowadays, I like to see action figures, which was a phenomenon that started creeping up around 1992-1993 when Toy Biz started cranking out Marvel figures and Star Wars kind of came back in a big way, especially with their overly muscled Luke Skywalker figure. And, more importantly than anything else, I like to see a healthy back-issue selection well, as well, in case, you know, I'm looking for something in particular. There's also something cool about seeing a bunch of 50-cent or dollar boxes that makes me a happy, happy fanboy. I like the places to be clean, but not antiseptic. But at the same time, I want them to smell like old deteriorating comic books. It's very strange. Now, in my head, that's the perfect comic store. And as much as I'd like to see all of that, I realize that it is totally selfish on my part to want every store to be like that, since I may not end up buying half the stuff that they have for sale. I just want it to be there in case I wanted to buy it, which is a horrible business model for a store owner to follow. Let's see, I can try to run my store based on a clientele and their likes and dislikes, or I can run my store based on what Michael Bailey wants to see. What to do? What to do? Anyways, I think that's enough of me rambling on about what I like to see in a comic shop. I'd like to thank everybody for coming back after my two-week break. Got a lot lined up for the next few weeks. Uh, next week should be my my Dragon Con episode where I talk about what happened and, uh, more importantly, all the crap that I ended up buying that I 
really didn't intend to buy. I got a Greg Rucka episode in my head coming up, and hopefully, if I can work everything out, I can finally get that thing with Shag going. So the next episode should be out on September 12th, 2007. Uh, until then, you can always check out the blog for the show at viewsfromthelongbox.blogspot.com. It's got the RSS feed. It's got the iTunes link if you still haven't subscribed to it like that. Also, every Friday at comicstream.com, you do have the column version of Views from the Long Box. I've done three so far, and I've gotten a lot of good feedback on that. And I'm sure between now and then I'll probably participate in a Unique Geek podcast. Uh, just go to the uniquegeek.com to check out that site. They're a really good bunch of eggs, and I'm really proud to be part of them. And you can also email me at viewsfromthelongbox at gmail.com. Views from the Long Box is presented by Oh My God, I'm Heartily Sorry for I Have Offended the Productions in association with MediaGauntlet.com. Thanks a lot, everybody. I'll see you next week. Excuse me. Hey, how are we doing today? Find everything you need? Great. You know, you're bending the spine. It is a comic book, all right? Not your dick. Show some respect. Hold it like you'd hold a woman, jackass.